And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Marilyn Hughes. And we will take your calls this hour as we talk about auto body and astral projection. And if you've had one of these things occur or several, just check in with us as well. Marilyn, you're working on a new book as well? Oh, yes. The Aliens of the Redemption. Tell me about that for a brief moment. Oh, that one is the fourth in the series, the Redemption series. There's the Limb of the Redemption, the Christ of the Redemption, the Lord of the Redemption, and now the Aliens of the Redemption. This one goes into the history of how the aliens have visited humankind for, you know, since the beginning of time. And I've been having these fascinating out-of-body experiences taking me back to pivotal moments in human history and being shown um, really fascinating uh, moments uh, in, in these uh, in, in these times and in uh, uh, how these how these moments have changed human history and religious history and what it has meant for uh, you know uh, the alteration of our past as a species. Interesting take of all of this, to be sure. You're pretty spiritual. Tell me about the title, The Hammer of Mysticism. Well, The Hammer of Mysticism is a book that I wrote about um, to go into the basics. Uh, It's kind of like an encyclopedic uh, introduction into mystical terms and processes about out-of-body travel so people can get a real... uh, you know, a, built, a real elementary understanding of the terms that they're going to come across in all my writings. Uh, a lot of people find it very helpful as they start studying, you know, the subject. It, it explains all these things about energetic law, energetic impetus, and all the basic stuff that you um, need to start understanding about the paranormal, uh, the be- basic things that... Uh, you need to have it as a foundational knowledge as you start um, this this journey. How would you recommend people best astral project or get an out of body experience? Meditation. What do you What do you recommend? Well, there is a, a series of things that I do recommend, um, and it it really involves a, a lot of things. A lot of it has to do with uh, you know. There has to be a lot of quiet time, a lot of silence, but also the the process the process of meditation, prayer time, um, silent reflection, and you know I, I like to emphasize on the meditation time that people um, understand that when I'm talking about the meditation, I'm talking about long stretches because it takes a lengthy amount of time for souls to actually reach the depth that's required to enter into what I call the vibrational state. Most people understand what that is. Mm -hmm. You have to get into the vibrational state in order for you to separate from the physical body. And so I, I request that people consider finding time for three hours of deep meditation. And the meditation, I recommend that you're lying down because you want to be in a lying down position so that if you do enter the vibrational state, you can separate from the body at that time. Well, that's probably the best way to go about it, to be sure. Do you, do you astral project often? Yeah, it's pretty frequent. It's almost, you know, almost nightly. Do you do it in your dream state as well? 
Uh, sometimes it's in the dream state as well, yes, definitely. Are you alert? I mean, you're con- fully conscious that you're in an OBE? Uh, yes, when I'm having out-of-body experiences, that's the case. But, you know, there is always the experiences that I'll have that a lot of people who have these out-of-body travel experiences have where you do have um, partial recollections or you know that you've had experiences but you don't have the full recollection. So I'll have those as well. But when you're having the fully conscious experiences, those are very different from the types of things that people have partial recollection of. Marilyn, have you ever had an experience, an OBE experience, that you wish you never had? (laughs) Oh, you definitely have experiences that are difficult to have or traumatic or, you know, especially when you're dealing with things that have to do with spiritual warfare or uh, the things, like I've mentioned, uh, going into some of the hellish realms has been uh, definitely difficult. Uh, some of the things I've seen and experienced in those places has been uh, definitely uh, uh, unexpected. You, you sure. wouldn't you wouldn't want to live there, would you? No, I definitely do not want to go there permanently. That's for sure. Um, and you know, very shocking kinds of things and. Uh, things that are definitely uh, some things very different than I think some people might expect for sure. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I think people would be surprised by in in these experiences, both positive and negative. You know, <laughs> so I think that that's that's part of the fascination of the out of body experience is that. There is so much more um, to to the experience than uh, we can possibly fathom uh, because it's uh, because there is so much more out there. <laughs> you know? Let's go to the phone. For, let's start with Tom in Utica, New York, to get us started. Hey, Tom, welcome to the program. George and uh, Marilyn, listen, I had a purgatorial experience. Oh, great. Cool. Let's talk about yeah, it. I had a, uh, I was on a, I had a double bypass and my heart would not restart. Okay. And so they knocked me out, put me on a trach, you know, and put me into one of those comas. And the first part of the experience was definitely a dream state, definitely dream. I, I was involved in a midair collision, kind of like uh, uh, in the satanic verses by, uh, um, Salman Rushdie, wow. and everything went black, and that was the end of the dream part. And when I awoke, there was it was not a dream. It was a re- it was a reality as real as the one that I had left prior to the uh, operation. It was very it was in a place that was very dark, with no individuals present. I do not remember if there was a point of light. I'm not, I don't, that's the only thing I don't remember. But for the next, oh, several, well, I went under on July 29th and I returned on August 6th for the, so for this entire time, voices from different parts of this darkness, one side would accuse me of things that I had done in life and I was very morose. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, how could I have done that? And then uh, from the other side of the darkness came accusations of something that I had not done. And I became angry 
and was yelling, screaming, I didn't do that. Where did you hear of that? Yeah, you're full of baloney, you know, to use a phrase. And and that went on alternating from during that entire period of time. It was completely exhausting and then some. Wow. And finally, at the end of it, on 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 my birthday, a voice, a female voice, came and said, and "If I don't have the words exactly right, they're pretty doggone close." All right, he's 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 had enough. He's okay. Let him go. Let him go. <laughs> my eyes Jeez. slowly opened and refocused to my hotel room. I mean, excuse me, my hospital room with birthday signs. Happy birthday, Tom, and everything all over. Back to back, back to normal. To this world. Interesting take of that. What? What? Who released him, Marilyn? What kind of entity would say that? Let him go. Well, I think there's a couple of things here that 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 strike me. First of all, he's got the one side where he's 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 got two sides of accusers, which is, you know happens in these in these types of experiences. And so the one side is giving him accurate accusations, and he's taking full ownership of it, apologizing and, and apparently having remorse. The other side is, you know, the demonic side, giving accusations of things he hasn't done, which is very typical of the dark side and the, the darker evil, which will accuse you of things you haven't done. <laughs> you know, they will go further. And I think that what was going on was this process of trying to uh, take him into the deeper confusion, the exhaustion. The uh, this is this is a process that the dark side will engage in. Um, and when the voice came in, I think that the voice was coming in to to say, "Okay, he's had enough," which is saying <laughs> that he's experienced this. Um, it was like an exercise. Uh, he's paid his dues, right? It was paying his dues, but it was also like he's experienced this. And now I'm curious, um, when you came out of it, did you did you feel something different when you came out of very it? Different. Very, very different. And, uh, and uh, my life has changed since. Uh, I sort of live like I don't want to have to go back there, uh, to, at least for that long, even though I might have to have another purgatorial-type experience. Has it changed um, for the better, though, Tom? What's that? Has your life changed for the better? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and I keep that in the back of my mind. By the way, right now I'm, I have gone from being a, uh, a, bit, of a, a bit of a rascal to, uh, to being a, uh, a writer for, of the local Catholic diocese newspaper. Oh, good for you. Never, never missing a holy day of obligation. <laughs> Good for you. Wow, it, how it, interesting! It, it too, does, it does change. Yeah, you. look at the change there, and and so to me, what what strikes me is that so a bit of a rascal, and here he was being played with by the rascals, the ultimate rascals, a little bit there. You know. Thank you, Tom. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, very interesting. Did you find for yourself too, Marilyn, that you have changed over the years because of this? Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, I have underwent so many transformations. I think one of the biggest things you will find is it is so humbling because you see you will go through so many changes 
you're, you're shown so many things about yourself, so many of your flaws, so many of your inadequacies. And then, of course, I think the final, in the final analysis, because, you know, I'm like 35 years in, you just realize, you know, the humbling reality that, you know, we are all such flawed human beings. And so you just realize sure. there's always more, you know what I mean? There's always more, more, uh, you know, things that you're going to learn about yourself that, you can improve upon, and um, but it's a, it's a very humbling experience, um, and we learn to um, we learn to be uh, always at the ready for the criticism, for the for the correction, because you know when 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 you first start receiving correction, sometimes we're we're we don't receive it as well. But as, as the years go by, we learn that the corrections are so helpful because they really accelerate us. Because when we receive those corrections, we, we go so much faster because we, receiving those corrections, uh, you know, it takes like five or ten years of us having tried to discover it on our own, off the path, you know. So we learn to appreciate them, even though they're unpleasant to receive. We we learn to receive them uh, more gracefully, even though we never like them. <laughs> you know? uh, so there's this humility yeah. that is constantly, hopefully, deepening. Even though we also realize that even that is hard, you know, to, to continually do. Let's go to Joe in Monterey, California. Hey, Joe, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call, George. You're welcome. Um, Marilyn, I, um, I, I do a lot of uh, I do out-of-body travel, uh, soul travel, actually. In the dream state, I do a lot of uh, lucid dreaming. Awesome, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I do know that uh, I am sometimes in a war because uh, I get injured when I come back. Um, but I had two experiences that are interesting and I want your opinion on it but I also want you to talk about the difference between soul travel and astral travel the benefits because they, they they have different benefits two of these experiences I used to go to satsang you know what that is mm-hmm. and, and um, we used to read from a, a very uh, special book mm-hmm. and I was uh, asked because sometimes we read from the book I was asked to read a paragraph I read it and I wasn't reading that paragraph on that book. The teacher said, you're reading it from a higher level, from the soul, uh, from the astral plane. He asked me to read it again, and I read it on a higher level than that, and the third time, even higher than that. So that kind of happens. You're like, you're in the body, but you're not here in the body. Right. I wonder if that's a form of travel. And also there was something else. We were doing an exercise, a breathing exercise, and uh, it's like a pranayama, but it's a breathing, and you bring light into your body. Right. In breath. And I breathe in, and you hold your breath. You know, you know the practice, probably teach it too. Um, and I kept breathing in like an energy or something. It just kept coming in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been well, part, one of my bodies taking in this energy, but I initiated in the, in the physical. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, do, you, do you hear about those things? Oh, yeah. And, you know, those things are 
things that we go through in the out-of-body travel state very regularly because you're always wanting to bring in those energies into from the spiritual into the physical body. So whether you're breathing in the light or drinking it in, you know, one of the things that I experience a lot is drinking in the, the, the life-giving waters, the waters that never end, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's the, you know, the never-ending waters, the, and then it's the light, uh, breathing in the light that you're talking about, the pranayama. But it also happens in other ways. You know, it's the vibrational raisings. It's the, um, it's the uh, different types of initiations where they're taking you into higher and deeper frequencies. You're always trying to bring these um, higher frequencies, higher light, higher uh, liquid light, um, all these things from the heavens into the earth, so from the spiritual into the physical realm. So, yeah, that's a big part of it because everything that we can bring from heaven to earth is spiritualizing uh, the physical and so that's happening for our, our own physical body, but it's also something that is an excellent thing for the earth itself. So it's, it's something that is really um, focused on a lot in the out-of-body travel experience. Do you find, Marilyn, that being in the astral body plane that you get energized Oh yeah, it, there's a great deal of that, and in and in fact, a huge part of the experience has a lot to do with energy. One of the things I'm always saying to people is, knowledge is not information; it's vibration. It you discover this very early on that one of the things that happens is you start having more and more of these vibrational raisings and it's not just through vibrational raisings but all these other things and many other things that I talk about in the books as to how this energy is brought to us we we are taught things they tell us things we learn things from the masters and the teachers that are spoken to us but in the end it is through vibration. It's that very, we it's very powerful. Things. Marilyn, we're going to come back and take final calls. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, our final segment with Marilyn Hughes. Marilyn, thank you, by the way. You've done a great job for us. Oh, thank you. It's been great being with you again, George. Always love talking with you, and your, your audience is great. And when the uh, alien of redemption is done, come on back. I'd love to. I'd love to. What, what do you think of prayer and its tie-in to OBEs, if any? Oh, there's a great deal of tie-in to OBEs. And, you know, I mean, that takes me back to uh, one of the really beautiful experiences that I had years ago where I was shown um, in one of my out-of-body travels the, um, the experience of prayer and I saw how it ascended into heaven like lightning. It was literally thousands of these lightning strikes from earth to heaven, the prayers of humanity just shooting from earth into the heavens. It was beautiful. It was so powerful to see it. Um, and I've also seen um, on many other occasions in the out-of-body experience the power of the prayer of people 
going into the heavens. And I've actually been shown many times the angels receiving prayer. Uh, And I've been shown many times as well in cases where miracles were about to be received. Mm -hmm. I was shown to whose prayer uh, it was going to be attributed, whose prayer was being received. I remember in particular being very moved that a mother was going to be healed uh, due to the prayers of her children. Wow, and you knew this was going to happen. Yes, it was the Blessed Mother had received these prayers from her children. It was beautiful seeing this. Um, I've seen many things like this, uh, very specific. Uh, We don't realize just how uh, personal our prayer is in, in, in terms of how it is received in heaven. It's very personal. Uh, it's beautiful. All right, let's take some final calls here with Marilyn Hughes. Let's go to first-time caller Gloria in Whittier, California. Hi, Gloria. Well, hey there, both of you. Thank you for this honor and the, all the blessings. You are very me. welcome. Go ahead. Hi, Gloria. Thank you. Hi, how are you doing, Marilyn? Great. Great to talk to you, Gloria. Great to talk with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I have started uh, projecting. uh, I'm in my 70s now, but I was starting to project uh, back in uh, when I was about four or five years old and carried it through until I I would end up in uh, different places uh, on top of shelves with with no ladders, chairs, or any way to to go there except for flying. Um, and um, I believe that my parents put a stop to it by with prayers. Okay. Because I told them about this, and I think prayers is a lot. But later on, this continued, and I was able. To, you had mentioned that. Uh, uh, of uh, taking a couple, three hours and meditating. I never did that. Um, It seemed that at will I was able to do that. I was able to visit specific people and different places uh, that I had seen in magazines or or books. And somewhere along the line, I lost that capability. And, of course, I did not go into the uh, meditation as you had uh, recommended and said that it should be done. And the alternative, I've also had several spirits of people that I've known, uh, some that I've never met, but that I've known uh, visit me. And that stopped as well. And I'm wondering uh, why would that occur? Why would Why would they stop visiting? Why would I stop being able to project myself so easily, so readily. Do you remember what age it was when that happened? Uh, When what exactly? The last projection that I made was uh, in 1970. I was in a horrific automobile accident. 52 years ago. I was knocked unconscious. And prior to that, for weeks before, I had been telling my mother that I was having nightmares that I'm hit, that I'm waking up, that I'm hitting a brick wall. 50, 52 years ago, Marilyn. Okay, so 52 years ago. So it would have been in your uh, 20s? 
Would have been about 18 to 20. Yeah, right around there. 20? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that can happen. Now, you know, sometimes it happens, like, for children when they're younger just because they, you know, they're growing out of childhood and, and it's natural that the memory starts ceasing. And it seems like it happened much later for you. And um, obviously, too, having a, a, a traumatic event like the car accident could have had some type of uh, impact that uh, changed whatever it was that made you have this uh, open opening to the other side. Now, you know, one of the ways you put it was why they would stop coming to you. I, I would change the way that you're seeing that in the sense that it seems to me that it would be more likely that the sensitivity that you had to being able to receive that visitation might have changed because it wouldn't necessarily be that they stopped coming or that if they did stop coming, it would be more because uh, that permission would have been uh, no longer granted. Because we do go through periods, um, when, and the deceased go through periods, where they're granted the opportunity to visit us, and then that, that can change. And it changes um, for a variety of reasons. It can be because of things that are going on in our own life, but it also can change in relation to what's going on in their afterlife. So there will be periods where they will not be allowed to be as close to us because of their own evolutionary journey in the afterlife, where they have to be farther away because they need to have uh, more distance in order to progress in what they're doing as well. So there's all these different factors that can play into that. Um, it's also possible because we do go through you know, these periods in the spiritual life itself where the sensitivity itself um, will, will change and it will go through periods of dryness where people will be uh, will literally just stop having experiences for long periods of time. And this is well documented throughout the history of mystical theology. And so the fact that you then all of a sudden no longer had experiences is not unheard of at all. But I do think the fact that you had this devastating accident is probably more likely related to what happened than even that, um, because it seems like that might have had uh, some type of impact in terms of the sensitivity itself. Something changed, because there is a physical correlation to our, our sensitivity sometimes as well. So something could have happened that altered uh, whatever it was that made you so open to this contact. Does that make sense? Well said, Marilyn. Well okay. said. Well said. Next up, let's go to Rick in Whidbey Island, Washington. Welcome to the show. Thanks for holding, Rick. That's okay. It's going to be worth it. Um, hi, George and Marilyn. Marilyn, hi, my Rick. question is simply this. Um, have you ever performed any experiments to provide evidence that you've been out of your body, or, um, and this happened to me personally, have friends ever told you that you, they were, you were seen wandering around their house in the middle of the night? 
Um, I do have, uh, I did participate in uh, the out-of-body experiment, which you can listen to at the website, outofbodytravel.org. Um, it was performed by Alex Securis of skeptico.com, and you can listen to that at the website. Um, so I did participate in that. Um other than that, no, I haven't done that uh, very much. Most of the out-of-body experiences that I will uh, participate in are not going to be focused on the physical realm. You know, so what happens, a, a lot of people look at the out-of-body experience as, you know, I'm going to go visit somebody in their house, and they're kind of missing the point of the experience. And I want people to start thinking about this in a much broader way. When I'm experiencing out-of-body travel, I'm not thinking of visiting somebody at their house. I can do that in my body. Right. I'm going to go visit a higher sphere. That's what I'm going to put the energy towards because that's where the knowledge is to be gained. That's where the benefit is to be achieved from the experience itself. And so we don't really need to go prove anything to anybody about this. It really doesn't serve that big of a purpose to do that. The purpose to be achieved is that spiritual impetus, that, that acceleration of the spiritual evolution that the, that the process provides us. So we want to put our attention there, and that's where I put my attention in the out-of-body travel experience. Marilyn, in an, in an, in an out-of-body experience, can you go into the future? You can, actually. Um, you can. Um, there are times when it is allowed where you can see different aspects of it. It's not like um, it's not always granted. It's not like something that you're allowed to do just at will, it doesn't seem. But there are times when it is granted for particular purposes, there have been different points um, where, interestingly, it was presented to me as, uh, the, as for the importance and for the, the circumstance of completing the sacred hoop, which had to do with um, bringing together my past and my future and my present. And I was allowed to like, connect with my future self. It was like my elderly self and my current self at the time, which is about 10, 20 years ago, and, and it's been different points along the way, to make sure that I would reach different points along my path so that my destiny would be achieved. And so there have been points where I would re, you know, reach the future. But also, you know, uh, something that some people don't uh, think of, when you're talking about past lifetimes, you also will go into... Uh, lifetimes that are either past lifetimes that might actually have occurred in the future. And sometimes people don't think of that, sure. but we do have those. <laughs> Let's go to Don, Studio City, California. Hey, Donald, go ahead. Hey, George. Passed a great Greek today. I thought of you. In fact, I do every time, man. Perfect. Um, my sister and I grew up in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, and just had an unbelievable illnesses and allergics, uh, allergies to penicillin. So we got sick, lived in oxygen tents for the longest time, and I, as I got older and tried to deal with other things in my life, I 
started remembering and realizing these amazing floating on the ceiling watching things happen. And um, I remember as well as my sister and I finally have agreed that we did, using it to escape like this fear and pain thing. And now I'm here in this point in my life. I've been pretty successful. And yet, you know, as much I want to be able to apply things in a structure like you're talking about. And I'm married to a tenured college professor, so I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the uh, the structure mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Yet there's a whole other thing that just happens. And I, I don't know, you know. I'm not religious. I'm not anything, but I, I believe so deeply. Yet, um, um, the day was one of those days. I have to say that this is the ultimate coda. I've listened for decades, and here I am on the radio, but only because of this out of body thing. It's uh, it's back in my life. I doesn't mean anything. Like I want to get out of my present, but what a difference! You, it's not just out of body. It's other dimensional. For us, it was survival. What do you think, Marilyn? we got a minute left. Well, I think absolutely. And, you know, one of the things you can try with that is just take a look. You know, one of the things you can do to start is take a look at the Mysteries of the Redemption at my website. Um, it'll start you with that structure you're talking about and see how it feels. It might take you through that. Um, and I think that that could be a place to start. I think it could help you with what you're talking about and uh, see how see how it goes. I, I think it could work for you. Marilyn, give out your website for folks. Outofbodytravel.org. And when they go to that, what do they get? You're going to find that you can download all of our books there. Click on our uh, YouTube channel. You can, you can uh, watch all our films. We have uh, tons of free stuff that you can uh, check out, resources on out-of-body travel, and you can also email me if you have any questions. And all your films are free to watch, aren't they? Absolutely. Good good for you. All right, and when the next book on aliens is done, you know where to go. That's right. I'm going to give you a call, George. All right, Marilyn, (laughs) thanks for being on the program. Thank you for having me. It's been great talking to you, George. You take care of yourself. Up next, we'll be talking with Joseph Marino about his work about the Shroud of Turin. If you are not familiar with the Shroud of Turin, it is the burial cloth that Jesus apparently was buried in.